It's not just dismissing the offense or pretending like it didn't actually do the damage it did. It's both coming to terms with maybe I harmed someone for real and that person admitting, yeah, you did. And then, then let's apologize for real. Let's ask for forgiveness and mercy from that person and let's give it for the sake of Jesus who laid down his life for every sinner. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. This is the Every Moment His podcast. We are currently fasting from dad jokes during Lent. Are we? Oh, so man. We don't get one. I, ha- I had one. Sorry. <laughs> no, you have to man. wait till Easter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yep. So, What about other kinds of jokes? <laughs> no. No, no. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> true repentance here. True okay. repentance. Contrition. Yeah. So uh, we're in a series called Reconciled right now, talking about reconciliation with God and with others. And today we want to talk about uh, what might stand in the way of our reconciliation with each other. And um, this is when um, I do something to hurt you or I do something to let you down, something that was legitimately expected of me. And then I say, I'm sorry, Tim. And you say, that's all right. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. No worries. Yeah. And that's not helpful. Well, I mean, it it avoids the awkwardness of like a true reconciliation. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of (laughs) helpful. Right. Well, and so there may be times when like the thing (laughs) that has happened that you said, I'm sorry for really isn't a big deal. Right. Somebody is like, you stepped on my shoe. Like I accidentally bumped into you and you spilled coffee. Yeah. It's like, Hey, we're human. We make mistakes. It's not a real grievous error. We're talking about more, um, well, and I would say that it's okay. It's all right. It kind of takes off the, the social pressure a little bit of, right. we want to, we want to be polite and, and agreeable, but we're talking about the legitimate thing that happens where you, let's say that you said you were going to pick somebody up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you completely forget because you were just thinking about something else and you legitimately put that person in a hard spot and you say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you spoke rash words that cut somebody to the heart or you didn't listen to somebody. Yeah. Or you spoke behind someone's back. Gossiped about somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to apologize to them and they say, it's okay. Yeah. Which is so, not forgiveness. Uh, you're telling me, let me get this straight. You're telling me that that is not biblical reconciliation. True. Okay. So what's the difference? Well, so in biblical reconciliation, there's going to be an opportunity to say to the person, um, sometimes there, you need to be able to say, this is the wrong and this is what it do, mm. did to me. And so okay. you have to patiently listen to somebody as they air their grievance. Okay. And sometimes I think in the microwave quick society we live, we just want to bypass the pain of being told how we let somebody down and how we hurt them. And so we just want to get over it quick. Yeah. But no, it means that we're going to listen patiently to how you hurt that person, how you let them down. And you're not going to make these excuses of like, yeah, but I did this because, or if you weren't so, 
<laughs> right. We're going to listen to that. And, and then when we say, I'm sorry, the person says, I forgive you. Mm. Go in peace. You're, we're okay. Yeah. So we're, we're good. rather than saying, hey, that offense didn't actually bother me. Mm-hmm. We're going to say, actually, it did bother me and yeah. it hurt my heart. And as you've said, you're sorry. I'm going to actually say, I, I absolve you. I forgive you. I erase the debt. Mm-hmm. And now we're okay. We're yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was actually reading uh, Ted Kober. Uh, he's a kind of a confession absolution guy. That's the name of his book. He's a, he, he is a professional reconciliation coach. Ambassador yeah, coach. Ambassador, he goes yeah. to churches that don't get along and he helps them yeah. forgive each other. Yeah. But he was saying one of the things that's interesting is we act, sometimes we act like we own the forgiveness. Hmm. Like it's coming from us. And he, and he makes this distinction too, that actually, no, like the forgiveness that we have, we share from the Lord. Because it that's, comes from God. Yeah. So like a biblical reconciliation is when we forgive for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We forgive because we have been forgiven and because he's called us to be a forgiving people by his spirit, a merciful people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, the um, worldly dismissal of offense, um, it, it bypasses all that stuff and it doesn't actually get our hearts to the same place where, where we are once again on the same side, right? Yeah. And we, we have, we have um, no more offense and we're able to build back uh, together in our relationship. Well, and I think what we lose out on is we lose closeness of relationship yeah. because the, the sense I get, I've been really puzzling over why we say it's okay. I think part of it is Midwest nice and Midwest nice is where we have, you know, relationships are just kind of held together by this thin thread of, of smiling obligation, obligation. <laughs> and we don't want to go through the emotional difficulty of telling somebody what they did wrong or hearing what we did wrong. It's almost like real forgiveness is really inefficient. Yeah. And so people, we're all too busy for this, right? We don't have time. I don't have time to do this. We might think, I mean, it's going to be like a 45 minute conversation, you know, in our minds, we think that we think it's going to be that way. Yeah. And, and so we just want to bypass, I think the, the emotional messiness and Mm. the, um, inconvenience Mm. of really telling somebody, this is where you drop the ball and this is where you hurt me and I forgive you. Yeah, and I think too, it's a little bit of admission that we're vulnerable. You know, when we say, when someone says, I'm sorry, and we, we say, uh, yeah, that really hurt me, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a, that's a telling admission. It's like, I'm not just a superhuman that's not affected by things. When we say, oh, it's okay, we're kind of trying to say, didn't even bother me. I'm above this. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm above this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I think that leads to shallow relationships in the church. Absolutely I really think it does. does. Like yeah. I can think of times in my previous congregation where, um, you know, in, in this particular case, I had somebody who was really, really mad at me and I didn't even know it. And I actually didn't 
do anything wrong on purpose. Like it was more of a perception issue mm -hmm. where I had somebody who, who um, was just mad at me because, because I think that they caught me on a, a day when I was really tired. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so when I was speaking to them, it seemed like I didn't care or that I wasn't engaged. Gotcha. But I was just really legitimately tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, depleted in energy. And I think from the insecurity of that relationship, there was like, it got bigger than it should have. So this person was thinking, this person doesn't like me. Uh, this pastor was dismissive of me and what I was saying and, and, and um, which just balloons into all these other thoughts, sure. which is what yeah. happens when we turn around in our minds. We like make enemies in our minds. Yeah. And then finally there was another Christian in our congregation who noticed this because the person didn't come directly to me, but went to somebody else. And this other person was, I think, trained in reconciliation. I think she, she'd done some Stephen's ministry training. Huh and had basically said, let's go together and let's talk to Pastor John. And um, I was surprised. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I'm so sorry that you got the perception that I was being, you know, um, I wasn't listening well. Yeah. And so there was an opportunity. It, it was sometimes like part of it is perception and part of it is reality. Sure, yeah. Like I wasn't showing up and listening and being present the best that I could. Yeah but also there was a perception. Yeah, that there. it was a slight against them. Right. Instead of just a, a moment of weakness because you were up all night. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so the, the sinful nature part of you, the kind of false mm. self, that old Adam nature, wants to just get all defensive and be like, why do you have to be so sensitive? Or, or well, I didn't do anything mm. wrong. Yeah, yeah. But, but in the admission of, I'm sorry, and then that person saying, I forgive you. And actually even saying, I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> that I made a bigger deal out of this than I needed to. Um, it, I actually had a really strong relationship with that person that I didn't have before that. So do you see that? Yeah, yeah. You, we've all experienced this, I think, where right. when you do the, the inconvenient work of confession, of forgiveness, of not just saying it's okay, you go deeper with people and you gain yeah. trust that wasn't there. Yeah, because you do have to go past that kind of um, mask of invulnerability mm -hmm. and get to kind of the heart issues, you know, yeah. and like you're sharing heart issues. If you can get to that point and then to have that blessed and reconciled in both directions, suddenly you know a lot more about each other um, Yeah, and you're comfortable, you know, with, with who you are, you know. Yeah, because if you know that there's a high mercy environment, you know, like a high grace environment where, where like confessing a sin, an offense to somebody isn't the end of the game. It's not like game over. And even if that person doesn't forgive you, God's grace forgives you. Yeah. So I think really the key word here is humility because when we have humility, we're willing to admit our mistakes because we've gotten over the delusion that we're perfect. And hmm. we're even able to listen to a complaint that may not even be entirely valid. Like it may have been a, a perception more than a, or maybe somebody was expecting something from us that they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. That happens. 
but we're still able to listen and sympathize and yeah and agree as much as we can yeah so i think you know in the church you know and w- one of our focuses is like hey we're in this for life mm-hmm. and we mentioned last time not only are we in it for life we're in it for eternity yeah and one day all these things will be um exposed and resolved mm-hmm. and so if we have that mindset and we say these are my people for life yeah um, it actually makes reconciliation very efficient. Yeah. You know, and then I'm saying like, it seems like a lot of work on the front end right. to deal with these kind of heart issues and untangle it. But the truth is, if you're going to be with these people for, for the long haul, it's going to take a lot of energy to have those unreconciled issues just hanging around for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it reminds me there was there was a couple families in my congregation in um, Thunder Bay, and and they they had this issue in their family with um, uh, like a camp, you know, like a, a cabin on a lake, hmm. and it like someone had given it as an inheritance to one side of the family instead of the other, and it just caused this rift. And they dealt with that in the same church for year, like fifty years, mm-hmm. and they. They ended up sitting on opposite ends of the church, worshiping okay. at the same altar, yeah. same pulpit, you know, but just having to keep this defensiveness about them for, for so many years. And well, everybody probably knew it, right? Everyone except for me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> when I finally found out, it was, uh, you know, I, I sought to reconcile with them, start to, to help that process because what a relief it would have been and what a, what a better use of time and energy hmm if they could just sit in the same pew. Yeah, or embrace each other. Yeah, for you know, all those years. Yeah. And got to the bottom of these earthly possession issues that they were dealing with and shared their hearts and their frustrations and said words like, I'm really sorry, or I forgive you in Jesus' name. I mean, that would have been much more efficient than holding on to it for decades and decades. Um, cause they're going to have to deal with each other at some points in their life, you know, and certainly yeah. at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think recognizing the common sickness that we all share as sinners is important because when you, you begin to have empathy for people, because when you can recognize how broken you are and, and your sins and mistakes and how God has forgiven you, then you can begin to look at each other and recognize we actually all have the same problem. It just shows up in different ways. And we, that doesn't mean we make excuses for people or ourselves, right? We expect better. That's part of growth, but we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, says many Mm. churches are surprised when they find out they have a real sinner in their congregation. Yeah, right. Well, um, let's not be naive. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to recap, you know, this idea of biblical reconciliation is not just Midwest nice. Yeah. It's not just dismissing the offense or pretending like it didn't actually do the damage it did. Mm -hmm. It's both coming to terms with maybe I harmed someone for real Mm -hmm. and that person admitting, yeah, you did. And then then let's apologize for real. Let's Mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness and mercy from that person and let's give it for the sake of Jesus who laid down his life for every sinner. 
And this is so important, I think, just to kind of conclude on this point. Uh, this is so important because we often deceive ourselves. Like, we are often blind to our own sin. And oftentimes, it's a person in our life who's experiencing the consequences of our sin, um, tapping us on the shoulder and telling us, this is what's wrong. Um, you know, I can think of, of in my life, um, I think I, I have a pretty good work-life balance in, in, you know, in that I make sure that I have time that I'm spending at home and that I'm spending at church. You work hard at, at church and then you, you, you rest and spend time with your family at home. I, I think I'm in a good season. Like I, it, it's always a continual struggle because mm -hmm. you, yeah. you, it's hard. Um, and yet I have not always been in that place. I think in seminary or vicarage, especially vicarage, like it, vicarage. So for those listening who don't know what a vicarage is, it is a internship year where you're not quite a pastor, but they kind of throw you out there and make you preach and teach mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. do visits and stuff. Um, in my vicarage year, I think one of the idols that I was worshiping was the idol of being a people pleaser. I mean, you're just kind of like this insecure seminarian mm -hmm. that yeah. they send just out to prove a congregation. Yourself, yeah. You've got to prove yourself. And yeah. you're trying to apply all your learning and get people to like you. And, and I think that was a character flaw in me anyways, is just really desperately needing people's approval. Huh. And so I spent probably way more time working in Vicarage than I should have. I lived eight blocks from the beach. What was mm. wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think, and, and so then, um, you know, that would come up as like, hey, maybe you're working too much. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. Uh -huh. And then realize that actually I am. Yeah. And having to confess that, you know, and it takes a long time of to yeah. get there because you're just stubborn and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it was interesting, like when you began to admit that, uh -huh. When uh, I'm assuming your your uh, spouse was bringing this up in your family, life, family, yeah, family mm -hmm. and spouse, mm -hmm. that at first you resisted that information uh, and dismissed it, and then when you began to accept it, it sounds like that's where a lot of growth came from. Yeah, it when did. It, it kind of made me confront that idol, and I think I've I've will continue to struggle with that idol mm. because sometimes work and ministry and success can can really be alluring and, and you're getting, you know, nobody, sometimes nobody in the church community is telling you to slow down mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or to take time off. And, but then when that idol's confronted, it can be really hard to admit that and, yeah. and to, and then to genuinely say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so when, when that finally sunk in and, and you actually said, Hey, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You know, like, what was that experience like? Hard because old habits die hard. You know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. like you make progress in an area yeah. and then you slide right back and and then you're in at square one again. Yeah. And, and I think that's the way our growth works sometimes. And that's why we have to constantly forgive each other. I yeah. think that's why Jesus, when Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive somebody? Like yeah. seven times, pretty generous. So the rabbi said two or three, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Jesus says 77 yeah. 
or times seven. Seventy times seven. It depends on the how you translate. Four hundred ninety. So start making your tally marks. Yeah, and and the point there, of course, is there's limitless forgiveness, yeah. which is risky, and yeah, that's the way God forgives us. Yeah, and so like when, um, you know, when you are forgiven, uh, when you heard that, yeah, you, I forgive you. It doesn't magically make your character just. Psh- you know, just Better. unfixed. No. But it does bring you into that situation where you're secure enough to work on it. Yeah. And the right. point being that there's often sin in our lives that we're not even aware of. And we think that, that it's, it's strange that this, the thing we think is righteousness is sometimes sin. Mm. And we need in community, we need somebody to say, this is sin. And and then you see it and it changes the way you think about what you value and the forgiveness you have is leveraged to do better. And, um, I mean, you, you have the old neural pathways in your brain that need to be rerouted yeah. through, yeah. you know, daily repentance, but, yeah. um, so yeah. So our hope is that we as a community would be a community of people who are not going to just kind of gloss over um, sin, legitimate, yeah. Um, uh, sin, damage, offense. We're not just going to brush it out of the way, right? Which is what we want to do. It's almost like we're we're hardwired to just want to like minimize and um, uh, and we, cer- certainly in uh, like consumer Christianity, that's mm-hmm. totally cool. Yeah, you know, just kind of keep keep moving, brush it away, yep. ignore it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with biblical discipleship, that's not the case. You know, we're yeah. called to to pick up wisdom and the hard, hard reality of mm. living in close proximity with sinners mm. and under God's Lordship, you know? Yeah. Because the truth is that you going to your brother or sister and, and bringing sin to their attention is often, I think the way the Holy Spirit works. Yeah. Right. Cool.